I am sure that everyone here this morning that hears this message would say, since we are in church, that we seek to put God first in all of our lives. Would you say that today? Would you say that you do seek to put God first in your life? Well, with everything that you have going on right now, and that I have going on right now, couldn't we honestly say that God is number one in our lives? I would guess that many here today would have at least a little hesitation to say yes to that answer, to that question. But if you are unsure today, or honestly know that He is a top priority in your life, whichever, wherever you fall on that spectrum, I want you to rest assured that you are in good company, because many of us here today are in the same boat. So it's for this reason that We will turn to God's Word this morning, and we will find four action words to fuel our faith. Every vehicle needs some fuel. Go-karts need fuels. Mopeds need fuels. You know there's plenty of those around here. But we need fuel to go. We need fuel for our faith. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. So, we find... This passage is set against a backdrop of worry and of judgment. This is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So as we take a journey through God's Word together this morning, may it shine light on our dark areas of our lives. And not to bring shame to us, but to show that we need confession and repentance and that we need healing from a Savior who loves us who wants to have an intimate relationship with us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what we've already experienced and worship this morning. And as we open your word, I pray that you open hearts, open minds, and open eyes, Lord, to what you have for them this morning. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, the first action word we're going to find that will fuel our faith is the word seek. Seek. Kind of like when you were a kid, you played hide and go. I always liked hiding, but I never liked the seeking part. Nobody ever wanted to hear that they were it when you played that game. Of course, I was a portly little kid wearing rough skin, so it wasn't hard for somebody to catch me when I tried to hide. But you know what? That's my own therapy for another time. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 is a very popular passage. And it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need, not want. I think it's amazing. Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek, seek, seek. Just like when you go out for those Black Friday bargains, you are seeking the two items that they advertise that they are going to run out of before you get there. But then they're going to have plenty of other things that you can buy with your hard-earned money. But whether it be a value at a store, or whether it be a job, whether it be a relationship, whether it be validation, whether whatever it may be, when we seek, we need to make sure that we don't put whatever we are seeking above God because he says here, above all else. The thing I love about this verse is you can sit around the table or sit around a coffee shop and you can talk about all of the great doctrines of the Bible, but this says what it means. 
This says what it means. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Oh, and by the way, live righteously. And he will give you everything that you need. You see, what he's talking about here, he's talking about worry. Any of you worriers? I'm a worrier. I think we all at some time could be a worrier. But this verse, worry makes our problems bigger. Have you ever noticed that? When we worry, our problems become bigger than the faith that we have in God. And I got news for you. God is as big as it gets. He's not getting smaller. Our faith gets smaller in those situations. We must fight this lie. And there's, there's always something, always something looking to seek the throne of your heart. In our hearts, there is a, a chair, a throne that it controls our lives. And sometimes in our lives, we might find that special someone that makes, makes your heart palpitate. You know, and it's just love at first sight. But the thing is, is that there is nothing that can fill that void that God had created for us in our heart other than God himself. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says that he plants eternity in our hearts from the moment we come into this world and draw our first breath. Whether we know it or not, we are yearning to be with God again. And so we want to make sure that if we are going to seek and make that an action word to fuel our faith, our faith, we do that with all of our heart. Look at it like, if you don't get the throne illustration, look at it like a pilot's chair of a huge airplane that you're a passenger on. The pilot is in that seat. He not only has control of the airplane, but he has your fate in his hands. Would you want your pilot watching a movie? While he's flying? Would you want your pilot texting his or her friends or her and taking naps while they are in control? I think there's a reason they keep that door closed and locked. One is to prevent terrorists from taking over the plane, but I think they just want to do whatever they want to do in there. But the thing is, would you want the pilot to address the passengers and get on the microphone and say, Oh, we really appreciate you flying with us today and I really am thankful that you're here for my first flight. Uh, this is the first time I've flown an airplane other than a simulator. Thank you, and have a good flight. <laughs> no. No. It's like, uh, side note, random note, uh, we were at the doctor's the other day with Donna, and she got a shot in her knee. And uh, the, hey, you didn't even know I was going to share that, did you? But uh, she's got an awesome doctor, and, and as some of you know, sometimes doctors have students that train with them. And uh, he said, uh, would it be okay if our student does the procedure with the, the needle? And she says, sure. And I'm like, ooh. And we got on the conversation of, this is not your first one, right? And uh, he said, no, it wasn't. And, and so anyway, the thing is, would you want that pilot to address you and say, look, I've never done this before, but I'm going to do my best, so hang on? No, we want something that is accomplished. We want something that is trained. We want something that is secure flying our airplane. And my friend, if you have anything other than God and the message of Jesus Christ in control of your life, you are letting something fly you, guide you, and take you on a journey that is not certified, not equipped, and not able to give you the light that God has created you to be. That is why we seek God first. And live righteously. And he will give us 
everything we need. You see, sometimes those things just kind of creep their way into our lives, and other times we just flat out invite them. The thing I want you to see here is that what or who you worship will take first place in your life every time. Do you want to know what you worship? Just do an evaluation of your life. Look at your calendar. Look at your text messages. Look at your Facebook feed. Look at your checkbook. Look at these things and where you are devoting your time and your resources. That is what is controlling your life. That's why it's important for us to have a steady diet of God's Word in our lives. And with apps on phones and computers and printers and all these other things, we can get a copy of God's Word if we so desire it. The intensity of our searching is determined by our love for God. If you have an intimate and intense search for God, that's because He's your priority. But if you're here today and just kind of that, that curious person or that, that person's just in maintenance mode, I think of it this way. Some people search for God like they dropped a penny on the ground. You know, they're, they're, at, the, they're at the register and they're getting their stuff out and, and all of a sudden, cha-ching, cha-ching, you look down and you're like, that's a penny. I don't know if I even want to bend over and try to get that. It's just a penny. And you move on. That's the way some people search for God. Oh, it's, it's just church. I've had people tell me before, what's the big deal, preacher? It's just church. No, it's not just church. It's your life. So sometimes we search for God like he's a penny. But I'll tell you what, you pull that wallet out, and if you happen to have a $50 bill or a $100 bill in there, I've heard that they make those, and that falls on the ground, you're going to be like, Whoa! You will turn everything around and try to find that $100. Both of them are pieces of money. Both of them fell out of your pockets. And both of them you have an opportunity to search for. Which one are you going to search for more? Too many people, Jesus is the penny when he should be the $100 bill. We need to seek him and put him first in our life. And let your search for God fuel your faith. Not worry, fuel your fear. Let your search for... If you start worrying about something, oh my goodness, that payment's coming due again this month, and I don't know, if, you know, it's, it's just one week away from the repo man coming. Or you might be thinking, oh no, that, i got to go to that doctor's visit. I know he's going to tell me I've gained weight. Maybe I'll just cancel the appointment. But you may be worried about these things. You may worry about a health procedure. You may worry about a relationship. There's all kinds of things that we can worry about. And when we worry, that fuels our fear. But if we search for God, it will fuel our faith. Jesus is delivering his Sermon on the Mount, and he has been warning believers of judging others in chapter 7. So Jesus tells us not to worry about what will happen to us And now he adds, don't worry about others more than yourself. Let me ask you this. How many times in your life have you found someone who cannot control themselves, but they spend all of their energy trying to control something else? I've I've seen in churches, I've seen especially as a youth pastor, there are parents that cannot control their kids, they cannot control their families, they cannot control their marriages, but they're going to be the first one in the meeting to tell me how I should run the youth group. 
There's going to be a lot of armchair quarterbacks that are going to sit back and they're going to say, what you ought to do is this. And there are so many people that they look past their issues to focus on others. Why do you think some people focus on others more than themselves? It's because theirs is messed up and they don't want to address it. There was a preacher who was giving what he thought was an excellent sermon one Sunday. So he was preaching, and there were people that were on every word. But sure enough, there was this one guy that was sleeping in church. When I'm saying sleeping, I don't mean the... I mean, he was... <sighs> mouth open, fly catching... Neck breaking. He was out. And that preacher is just preaching as hard as he can. He's banging on the pulpit. Still. So the preacher said, excuse me, ma'am, would you please wake up your husband? She said, you're the one to put him to sleep. You wake him up. That preacher was so worried about that that she said, look, you handle it. You did it. Sometimes, sometimes we worry more about what other people are doing than what we're doing. Instead of the preacher trying to control the sleeping man, the man's wife reminded the preacher that he should worry about himself. Could you imagine what this world would be like if everyone spent more effort and time keeping themselves in check rather than judging everyone else? Can you imagine what kind of world we would live in? Let me bring it home. How would your life look different if you spent more time working on your walk with Christ rather than judging others or attempting to please them? Yeah, you can put other people in front of Jesus. You can put the approval of others on the throne of your heart that is not meant to be there. You can put your own drama at the center of your heart. But that's not what is supposed to be there. That brings us to our second word. The word is keep. Keep. Another way to say it would be persist, but for the sake of this, it's keep. It says in Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Keep asking, and it will be given to you. Keep searching, and you will find. Keep knocking. And the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who searches finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. The Bible is crystal clear that our faith takes work to grow. There is no welfare in faith. It's free, don't get me wrong. Our faith in Jesus Christ, the gospel message, what he did for us, our salvation is free. A free gift that we must accept. But it's not sit back and just cruise the rest of our lives. Let me show you two examples. And I'll put the references for you on the screen here. Philippians 2 verse 12 says this. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God's will With deep reverence and fear. Some translations say, work out your faith with fear and trembling. 
the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18, 4 through 7. There was a judge ignoring her, and so she kept time after time knocking on his door. And finally the judge comes out, and this is a parable Jesus is teaching. The judge comes out and says, if this will make you quiet, I will give you what you want and move on. And Jesus' point was, look, this widow could have given up. She could have stopped, but she could have, she, she kept going. She was persistent. Her action word was keep. And he says, if that judge would give her what she wants, how much more would God give you? Folks, you may be one more push away from God's best for your life. You may be one prayer away from realizing that prayer request. Even if it's been years that you've been praying it. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. The next action word we see is in, again, verses 7 and 8 of Matthew chapter 7. The word is ask. So we need to seek. We need to keep. And we need to ask. Let's read the verse again. Keep asking and it will be given to you. So it's kind of like, how about now? How about now? How about now? How about now? I think of one of my friends who had a, a child that was trying to get his attention. And he, the, my friend was just trying his best to tell me a story. But his son was going, dad, 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 dad. And I'm like, oh, just answer him, please. But you know what? He got his dad's attention. Sometimes we need to be like that with God. Dad, 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 dad. What is asking? Asking is prayer. What is prayer? We could do a whole sermon series on that. But basically prayer is talking to God. Why do people get angry or disappointed when they do not get something they did not even ask for? We ask for things that we want. Jesus even invites us to ask him for things. It says in John 14, verses 13 and 14, You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son of Man can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. We do need to ask Jesus for things. We need to ask God for things. They are one and the same. We need to ask. But the the critical thing here is in his name. Folks, the more we read this book here, the more we're going to know what he wants from us. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you're asking God for the things he has promised you, he will lavish them on you. But if you're asking him for things that are not in here, he won't. I have seen people that have been in relationships and they're, oh, God, just bless this relationship. But I knew what was going on, and I knew why he wasn't blessing it. I've seen people that have asked for money. I've seen people that have asked for this and asked for that. And, I, look, I'm not judging them, but by the fruits of their life, you can tell that they're not living according to this word. And then they get mad at God because he won't give it to them. We have to keep asking. And if you've ever in your life, had a prayer answered, you know the truth of that. Well, the next word is, in the, again, in verses 7 and 8, knock. Knock. 
We need to seek. We need to ask. We need to knock. Again, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find it. Keep knocking and the door will be open to you. Folks, knocking on a door means that you are desiring fellowship with the person behind that door. When you are knocking on a door, you are asking if you can come in. You are wanting their attention on the person of the other side of the door. Let me ask you something. Do you really wish to be with Jesus? Do you really want to be in his presence? Do you want to dwell with him? Some people say, yeah, absolutely, I'm there all the time, preacher. But there might be somebody that would say, maybe even the quietness of their own heart, I don't know if he'd even have me. I've got news for you. He's, he knows what you've done. And he still invites you in. Is there anything that the blood of Jesus does not cover? And I will say, yes, only one thing. And that is to deny Jesus as your Savior and Lord. But everything else is covered in full. From the least to the greatest of offenses. Do you really want Jesus' full attention? Because if you have Jesus' full attention, He's going to give you some stuff to work on. He's going to give you the tools to work on them, and He's going to give you the power to work on them because He loves you. But still many people just keep them at a distance, again, because they don't want to address their mess. Too many believers today want the security of knowing that Jesus will protect them. And love them. However, they want to keep them far enough away to continue in their sin. This is impossible. Understand this. If you are in a sin that you can't break away from and you want Jesus to bless your life, he cannot do that. Because that very sin that's got you is the sin that he shed his blood for. It's impossible. Do not make Jesus a one hour a week appointment. He is a lifelong commitment. Keep knocking and keep inviting Jesus to be a part of every aspect of your life. Because knock while the invitation is extended because one day, just like when you go to that store and you got that coupon, you say, oh, here's my $2 off. And that person looks at it. Oh, I'm sorry, that expired last week. The offer that Jesus makes will expire. It has an expiration date, only we don't know what it is. He doesn't even know when it is. But one day it will expire. Luke chapter 13, verse 25 says, When the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. You will stand outside, knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. There will be a day, just like in Noah's day, when the door of the boat closed and those people were screaming and crying and begging to get on the boat. There was nothing Noah and his family could do. And there will come a day when enough will be enough, the siren will sound, and the offer will be rescinded. That's why it's important that we live for Jesus today. Whether it be our first day or our 500th day or whatever it may be. Finally, we see that Jesus only wants the best for you. 
Jesus only wants the best for you. Check out verses 9 through 11. He says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Notice that. Those who ask Him. Let me ask you this. Am I the only one that is grateful that God has a filter on everything that I ask? God has a filter. God will categorize everything that I ask. It'll filter through this word. It'll filter through his will. It'll filter through his heart. And it will come out in a way that he wants it to come out. Because, folks, sometimes the things that we're praying for, we think are good for us, but they're actually snakes. Have you ever thought that the reason your prayer wasn't answered because it was not going to be good for you? That if he would have answered the prayer the way you wanted it, it would not have worked out for his glory. It would have been worse. Look, I've got things in my life where I'm like, God, you really messed up on this. And I have to catch myself when I say that because I understand that God loves me. God loves you. And I'm not saying that everything in your life will work out like a bed of roses. But I will say that if you yield to God, if you yield to Jesus Christ, and you ask Him for things and it filters through His Word, what you get from Him will be His best for your best. And the better we know God and His will for our life, the more tuned in our requests will be. I don't want anyone here to think that God is stingy. He gave his best. Would a stingy God give his own son to die? I was at a, a breakfast yesterday morning and there was a, it was a Gideon breakfast and they were talking about the fact that, you know, he was talking to the God, sharing the gospel with somebody and he said, you know, are you a father? And the guy said, yes. He said, you know, I couldn't give my son for you. And he said, well, you know what? I couldn't give my son for you. Some of you, you have children with you right now. Would you give your son or daughter to save me? No. No. But God did. He gave his best. So why would a God that gave his one and only son be stingy or be a bully? He loves you. And he wants to hear from you. And he wants to fuel your faith. Jesus loves you enough to die for you. So does it not stand to reason he wants his best for you as well? So our action steps are this. Take action to fuel your faith. There's four things. Seek. Keep. Ask. And knock. That's how you will fuel your faith. So if you have a faith in Jesus Christ, if there is a time in your life where you have prayed, Jesus, come into my life and be my Savior and Lord, and you are living for Him, pray for the person beside you. 
Pray for the person behind you or in front of you. If you've got it all together, pray for me. Because I don't have it all together. Some of you might think you have it all together, but I'm here to tell you, you don't. We can always ask a little more. We can seek a little more. We can keep on a little more. We can do a little extra knocking. But my friend, if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ today, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. And he wants you to become his son, his daughter today. He wants you to accept the gift of his forgiveness. That means that when you accept Jesus Christ, you start new and over. Everything that's come up to this point will be forgiven and washed away. And he'll help you move past it. Maybe you want to do that for the first time, or maybe you're a Christian and you, you just want to have prayer here at the altar, prayer with me, whatever it may be. This is the time of invitation. Yes, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. You've been in enough Baptist churches to see how this works. I'm going to ask you to stand. And if you want to come forward, you can. If you don't want to come by yourself, grab somebody's hand. They'll come with you. And there won't be one person in here that will think ill of you, but they will be shouting for joy as you get your mess right with God. Would you please stand? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this invitation, for this message, for your scripture. And Lord, I just pray that there's one person here today that does not know you, that today may be the day of their salvation. Today may be the day that they become yours. But Lord, I know that there are a lot of believers here today too that are trudging through the muck and the mire and they're letting other things take the throne of their heart. Lord, let today be the day that they say no more and that you will be the one that they seek. Maybe someone wants to accept you, maybe join the church, get baptized, whatever decision they want to make, may you lead them. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.